It's time to check in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Concierge for Better Living with your host, Doc Rob. Hello and good day. This is Dr. Rob Streisfeld. Dr. Rob, your concierge to better living here at CannabisRadio.com, iTunes, iHeart, everywhere you want to learn more information on important topics, especially when it comes to better health and better living. Great to have you with us. As always, we have another great show lined up for you today. You know, it's something wonderful. We talk about education and when it comes to cannabis, you know, just like my book, The Cannabis Conundrum, there's a lot of questions and confusions from terminology to utilization. And one of the things I always commented was I've been studying cannabis for so many years and been an active, you know, speaker and lecturer. I remember doing a, a conference in Chicago on Navy Pier maybe five, six years ago, and it was four doctors, it was four clinicians, and we were doing it free. We were just trying to educate people, uh, educate health professionals so they can communicate better to their practitioners. And there was a lot of interest, but the doctors were told from our feedback that they weren't allowed to come. Uh, the medical system wasn't really accepted yet to cannabis as cannabis therapies, and they weren't really letting those doctors even come to a free conference, which is shocking. And But I, I'm really excited because fast forward, and it looks like cannabis has now been accepted. Um, we're learning more always, more research, and today it's great to have, I have two doctors on, the, on my show today, Dr. Samoon Ahmad, MD, and Dr. Kevin Hill, MD. Thank you guys for both joining. We're going to talk about a book you guys put together, The Medical Marijuana. Uh, it's called Medical Marijuana, A Clinical Handbook, and it's just for clinicians. And so thank you so much right off the bat for putting this inf- uh, book together. It's so important to get our health professionals knowledgeable and up-to-date on cannabis. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So... As I said in the beginning, you know, this was not something that all doctors, you know, doctors didn't get trained in this um, in, medical, in you know, medical school and their training. This has not been something that has been popular, uh, maybe more on the West Coast, a little bit longer, but for not that many years. And um, but I know that you guys have backgrounds in both addiction and psychology, psychotherapy. So I guess there's that kind of connection when it comes to drug use and drug abuse. But, you know, what what drove you guys into collaborating and, and, and putting this textbook together. Um, um, Kevin, uh, should I start, if you don't mind? Sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, as a psychiatrist, I have to say, and I think uh, you hit the nail on the head in terms of our training. And, uh, and you know, learning in medical school as a resident, uh, especially in psychiatry, when we talk about substances in particular, it's like absolutely consider in some ways, the forbidden uh, area when it comes to treating any psychiatric ailment. That's how we were taught. And working in a city system where I would say approximately at any given time between 60 to 70% of the patient population that I saw on an inpatient uh, was struggling with some sort of substance abuse, uh, it was very common to see all kinds of substances. And sometimes I think over the span of last decade, I began to understand that there are substances and then there are substances and then how you use them, for what purpose you use them. Uh, there are obvious differences between them. 
and alcohol, cannabis, and opioids are the most common that we have seen. And uh, my interest developed gradually because I saw a significant comorbidity of people coming in with opioid use. And one of the reasons why many of these people, traumatic brain injuries and other issues, back injuries uh, with significant other ailments, uh, what we call it, you know, uh, major depressive disorders, psychotic disorders, bipolar disorders, and that substance, you know, how they were playing a role. And people felt that it was an important part of their so-called treatment that they were treating themselves outside. That was one end of the spectrum. Then I would see in my practice people with, you know, relatively speaking, good jobs, people who are coming in with anxiety conditions or other depression or other ailments, uh, and they're using it in sort of a very more casual way. They find it helpful to sleep at night and social settings and this. I began to wonder what what's the you know uh, what's underneath all of this, and uh, based on my training, I started to look more and you know uh, do more research. And as I saw that there was a lot more, it was more confusing than I imagined. There was it was more of a political war rather than a scientific war. And you know I I came to this conclusion that uh, I think we're living through the times where um, in fact the the cross wars between politics and culture, uh, in fact, dictate how the science uh, works. And to somehow, uh, I wanted to look at through that fog of all this, uh, what was about cannabis, as the due diligence, as I did, I began to see that it didn't make sense to me. Uh, and that was the impetus that as clinicians, we have actually not been taught uh, or given an opportunity to look at all of these other areas uh, that can be extremely helpful in some ways uh, and learn. And then obviously the whole issue was getting somebody involved in this book who has been on the policy front, who is in the addiction area, who has been working with this patient population a lot more than I have and has a lot more experience as well uh, because is really dedicated and dedicated to that. And that led me to approach Kevin at the time. And so that's how I approached him. That's great. Um, I think, you know, that what you said was substance, there are substances and then there are substances. And even now we're mm-hmm. seeing that there's therapeutic uses for various substances that have been controlled and, and restricted mm-hmm. for so many years. Um, we're seeing even psilocybin and, you know, therapeutic end of life treatment and depression, and anxiety. And even with, you know, um, going to Dr. Earl, the, the, addiction is what is that addiction or what causes depression starting to get into that physiology and the biochemistry of it and looking for potentially more natural uh beneficial ways to to treat these conditions um dr hill it sounds like um you know you you have that background in addiction i know that from my experience a lot of the people the doctors that have been trained in addiction looked at pretty much all these substances as negative and sure. and not really for so long and now we're starting to see that there are some that are you know, maybe negative in some people, beneficial in others, or can be utilized differently or treated with, you know, professional guidance that might actually be better options than what have been given the last several years. Absolutely. So there are many medications that we use in medicine that are helpful in some ways and harmful in others. And, and as Samoon touched on, clinicians of all sorts have been clamoring for information about cannabinoids because patients come in they're asking you about these these compounds, and they're either using them already or they're considering doing that. And so for many years now, 
clinicians have been hoping for a book like the one we've created where they can get a balanced look at uh, really where the science is on a lot of these topics. And so, you know, one of the things that always comes up when it comes to cannabis is that they're very skewed views. They're people who are either strongly pro-cannabis or strongly anti-cannabis. And I think a lot of the answers that we've learned so far are somewhat in the middle. And as you alluded to at the top, that for some folks, a subset of folks, a minority of folks, uh, cannabis can be a significant problem. But for a large group of other folks, uh, cannabinoids can be very, very helpful. And so we wanted to provide some of that evidence to help clinicians feel more comfortable using cannabinoids where appropriate for their patients. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, I am truly an advocate. I've been educating and teaching about cannabis for years and active in the industry. However, I'm one of the first guys to say it's not for everyone. And there are some people that could have a negative effect, very limited, very, very small, but it still does exist. There's no perfect miracle you know, plant here. Um, I think that that's really a good point. And I definitely like what Dr. Munt said earlier about the political kind of skewing this like reaper madness. And, you know, this is more political minded than it was really necessarily science minded, or at least that wasn't the, the, the reason or rationale behind it's, you know, being controlled substance. And I think it's for me, you know, I take this a lot personally, from personal experience, and that's something that you guys as clinicians also bring to the table. It's not all academic, but it's clinical, you know, hands-on approaches that some people, you know, need that levity, that euphoric, you know, feeling that maybe comes from THC, while others are completely against disorientation or that feeling or that, that sensation. And so we have to find the right uses and the compounds and the applications. And I've got a sneak peek at this textbook that you guys put together. And I think it's really great um, in the sense that you start with the culture, you talk about the language, the, the terminology, you know, but you do get into that science. So you make sure that those health practitioners out there really, you know, can grab onto the science side of it, not just the anecdotal side. I think that's really a great approach. Right. And I think the other part I, I think uh, I want to emphasize with the book as well is that the science of the cannabinoids is just, uh, you know, moving at a pace that far exceeds any printing per se that you can keep up with in terms of. So we wanted actually a living document that that will exist for clinicians. So they don't have to wait for another book down the road. And uh, that's why we created the website as well, uh, which the whole idea of the website is that every you know, quarter, we will update it is what has happened during those months in the world from, you know, preclinical as well as clinical studies, randomized controlled trials, what has come, what do we know about, are there more phytocannabinoids that, you know, more than 140 now uh, that are there? Do we have more information? So the clinicians really don't have to tease out this information. We will tease out and continue to add that so that it becomes easier for not only clinicians, I think for other people, uh, who would like to benefit from it. So it will continue to accumulate that wealth of information. It's, it's a great component to this process. I think I love it because I, when I wrote a book, uh, you know, Cannabis Conundrum, and I laid out the scenario, well, it printed, and then within a year, it already needs to be updated and, and modified, and now they have a farm bill with it uh, that'll keep everyone, you know, practitioners up to date is, is, is really a great with it uh, that'll keep everyone, you know, practitioners up.
up to date is, is, is really a great uh, resource for them. And I think it's a great tool companion to the textbook. So wonderful idea. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with Dr. Ramon and Dr. Hill. We're going to talk more about uh, medical marijuana, the clinician's handbook, and a little bit more. I got some questions about, you know, what you guys have, um, more about the compounds and some of your, your perspectives now after putting all this research in. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this quick message. I'm Doc Rob, your concierge of better living here at CannabisRadio.com. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on cannabisradio.com. And we are back, and I know you've been wanting to keep, hear what's going. You know, this conversation is going to keep on going, and we've got a lot of stuff to get into. But you know, we talked about docs. Um, you have a companion website that's going with this uh, this textbook. It's cannabistextbook.com. And uh, there's a lot of great resources for practitioners. Is this going to be open to public access or just for health practitioners? And what are some of those unique, you know, resources? I think we, you know, state by state, there's so much difference in what qualifying conditions and regulations and things of that nature. So uh, I think, you know, that that's going to be part of this, this site as well, right? Yes, absolutely. It's open to, you know, uh, public as well as the clinicians, whoever would like to use it. And as you mentioned, uh, apart from the science of it, I think uh, uh, clinicians in particular, uh, because they have to recommend, they need to know what are the particular indications in each state. Uh, and hence we will, tease out that information and update on a regular basis. We won't even wait a quarter for that. As soon as the information uh, for a particular state or any laws change, that will be updated on the website. That's really important. I know that there's changes and added qualifying conditions. I, I work, you know, uh, you know, at various dispensaries in the medical system in Arizona. I consult on some other states as well. And I know a lot of the dispensaries are always looking for more information as well on how to really understand these qualifying conditions and how to recommend products to, uh, you know, the, the customers, the patients that come in. You know, each state, whether they have an adult use slash recreational law or medical only, um, it's it's different and. You know, for me, I'm even as a medical director, I have these you know 
hand quotes, bud tenders, which were often your first line of contact uh, for mm-hmm. patients to get their medicine. And I'm the first one to say, look, here are resources. Here's more information. If you have a question with the person in front of you, please refer to a primary care physician or the qualifying or recommending physician. Don't feel obligated to diagnose and treat right there in the, in the, in the dispensary. That's not your role. Um, and, and they appreciate that. They don't, they don't want to feel the pressure of having to diagnose and treat patients coming in. They want to just say, hey, here's your, your options. What do you need? Mm-hmm. And I think that they all want to have resources. They want to know that their clinicians and doctors have these, these resources as well. So I think it's going to be highly appreciated throughout the industry you know, you know, completely that you guys have put this together. Um, one of the things I was reading, and again, this is where I just mentioned that recreational adult use. And in the, in the allopathic or traditional, you know, conventional medical system, we look at this as a recreational drug and less terminology in the medical therapeutic roles that these compounds offer. Now, me, I like the whole plan. I'm not a big isolated compound guy. I think that you know, there's a whole over 500 compounds in this plant. You guys cover that. Great. You guys talk about you know, the, the phytocannabinoids. You talk about terpenoids. You touch a little bit on the flavonoids. I'm a personal huge fan of canflavins A and B um, and the potential there. What, one of the things that I, I get a lot is this: um, these compounds, these phytocannabinoids, must be decarboxylated in order to be beneficial. And I think it dismisses the you know the, the acid form the way nature gave it to us very quickly. Did you guys find any you know therapeutic applications or benefits or utilization for these raw? cannabinoids, these acids, cannabinoid acids. Well, I would note, Doc Rob, that the majority of the information that's available in terms of published studies have to do with the FDA-approved cannabinoids, which are very limited, right? I think right. you pointed out one of the important aspects of thinking about cannabinoids as medicines is the fact that uh, there are hundreds of compounds in the plant. There are over 140 cannabinoids, and yet we only have three that are available to uh, healthcare professionals by prescription. So when you look at the evidence and a lot of what we've covered in the book uh, has to deal with, you know, what are the published studies? And so most of the published studies have to do with the three FDA approved cannabinoids, but we also cover importantly, preclinical or animal studies where there is great promise. So unfortunately, one of the problems in this field is that the, the level of interest far outpaces the level of evidence and the, the rate of the research. And there are many reasons for that. Uh, but unfortunately, there, there really aren't studies that look at decarboxylation and comparing that um, and, and, and having that level of specificity that you're looking for. No, and I really appreciate that a lot in the fact that there's, and as I said, over 500 compounds in this plant, and we are mainly focusing on two or three these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, THC, CBD, um, some CBG now has become popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but when I talk about how this originally got started, or at least the trend or the interest grew, when it comes to epilepsy and seizures in children, we have Epidiolex, um, Sativex, we have some of these compounds that are gone through the rigors of FDA kind of processing and approvals. Um, you know, 
we've seen that this is, has benefit. Uh, but again, you know, when you look at all the complementary, those terpenoids, the, the flavonoids, and you know the synergy of, of you know the, what they call the entourage effect, I know it's very difficult from a medical perspective, or at least the, you know the, the science-minded pharmaceutical prescription model, uh, in order to validate effectiveness. There's a lot of off-label or anecdotal prescription, I guess, is what's being done at the moment, and we need a lot more research. So, uh, I think that's a great point that for a textbook purpose, you guys are sticking in with the research available today, and we'll be updating well, it ongoing. You know. Right. I mean, I mean, if, if you think about it, you know, you're talking about at this point, 140, uh, you know, phytocannabinoids, plus terpenoids, terpenes, flavonoids. And if, if we, have, we have already lost 50 years since the 1970s of being unable to do any kind of research at this point, you know, had we had those 50 years with randomized controlled trials and being, as there was discovery going on, uh, we would have been able to keep pace with the discovery and looking at all of it, I think where I find it's overwhelming at this point, it, it's like uh, it's like at this point giving a full uh, 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 playing Scrabble with a full deck of alphabets and saying, here, here, you have 140 and try to figure out how many words can you make of this combination and what would be the meaning of those words. That's how I see it. There's hundreds and thousands of combinations and what those effects and impacts will be. So I think it will be a while before I actually see uh, or begin to see any, I mean, because of all the restrictions that still exist and still as a schedule one, where it's Correct. so hard to actually attain, obtain, or do anything about it. And that's the limitation. Yeah, I think that's a great. And I think what, what we need to do, as you said, is we need to change the schedule so that at first, more research is you know an option, more available, more access to research. I just did my own uh, study on some hemp plants um, for different purposes, and I studied different you know, variations. And you guys in your book go to a lot of effort to try to kind of demystify some of that marijuana, cannabis, hemp terminology and all these things and how it's more, again, political and, 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 and regulation-oriented versus medical-oriented. That's a really great point that you guys have in your book as well. Uh, I think that there's a lot of you know, opportunity. I, I chose the hemp route specifically because of the ability to research it legally. You know, that was, it was a lower uh, threshold of regulatory red tape to go through in order to do some of these studies and they're very preliminary but you know hopefully you know as more and more doctors like yourselves uh you know really see the potential in this plant and others we can get more research available to us and find out more of those scrabble combinations and how it can benefit us in healthcare therapeutics i think it's great but we also talk doc rob in the book about what we can do today what can a clinician do in his or her office today and and we don't just limit ourselves to the three FDA-approved cannabinoids, right? And we have to think in a particular clinical situation, for example, let's take a patient who uh, has chronic pain. If that patient comes in and they've tried first and second line treatments, they've tried multiple medications, they may have tried multiple injections oftentimes, we're not going to limit ourselves just to the FDA-approved cannabinoids. The conversation becomes a risk-benefit conversation um, and a lot of these times, if the patient has done everything right, they've worked hard with their physician, then we do consider uh, the whole plant cannabis in certain cases. And, and I want to make that point that we talk about how to do that in the book. And we also cover that in the website, cannabistextbook.com. And, and, and we can't, I think it's easy for clinicians who are skeptical about cannabinoids to just say, wait a minute, you know, we'll wait for the research. We'll wait for 
more FDA-approved compounds. But the fact of the matter is patients are suffering today. So in my office today, uh, I have to, and, and you mentioned off-label use uh, at, earlier in the conversation, we have to consider all available options. And that sometimes includes uh, cannabinoids beyond the three that are uh, FDA-approved at this point. I love it. I think it's, you know, CBN is another one good for sleep and insomnia. That's seeing more popularity. Um, THCV for those doctors focusing on weight loss and obesity and weight management. So many different therapeutic options that we're going to continue to explore. Uh, again, great points there. Even you know, for me, uh, when dealing with my mom, who wasn't into any of the cannabis or anything like that growing up, um, but in terminal cancer, you know, a five milligram edible gave her levity and you know was made her joy and reduced some pain for a little bit. And that was medicine. And that, you know, that, that was to me was therapeutic. I wasn't worried about the high or the disorientation when she was on three or four anti-epileptic drugs and pain meds and things of that nature. It was more of that quality of life. And I think that's also a big, like you said, value. And when people, when, doc, when patients have gone through the rigors or have tried various different, you know, prescriptions and therapies and they haven't worked, let's give them some improved quality of life from a plant if that's possible, if there's minimal side effects, if there's a good safety profile. And I, I'm glad you, you brought that up. There's a lot of scenarios that we have to consider outside just the one, two, or three cannabinoids in the major... Right. Rob, you know, one, one of the problems that I see is, unfortunately, even today, um, you know, the information like we provide, um, uh, unfortunately, people are far down in their practices by the time they start to sort of think outside of the box and oh. begin to realize what they need to utilize to help their patients. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we have been taught first do no harm. And I think we have completely misconstrued the sentence first do no harm because mm -hmm. harm has been synonymous with anything that has been labeled as a substance per se, you know, and since this has been labeled as a substance schedule one, it automatically becomes a harm in, in that regard. So the balance goes out the window. So even as a medical student, as an early resident, you really don't get exposed to that framework of understanding other modalities, which may be an integral part of the overall integrative approach to treating yeah. a human being. And that's a major problem. Totally agree. I, I, again, blessed to, for me personally, they've gone through a you know four-year naturopathic program with that kind of philosophy you know embedded into our curriculum. I think that's starting to feed into the integrative therapeutics, the functional medicine doctors, the anti-aging doctors, and we're seeing more of this you know re reflection back on that first do not harm and all these alternative options is going to improve our healthcare system as a whole. And I think that's a great opportunity uh, for us all to strive towards. We're gonna take one more quick break. We're gonna come back with Dr. Mon, Dr. Hill. We're gonna get some more links and information on when this book's available and, and all good stuff. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back at this brief message. This is Doc Rob, your concierge of better living. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. Vampire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback, cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being, bring the body back to homostasis, and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Empire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones through those of researchers and medical professionals. Welcome to Empire.
Oh, lady marijuana, lama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we are back. We're wrapping up another great episode. I really appreciate both you guys, Dr. Hill, Dr. Ma, for joining me today, uh, introducing the marijuana you know, guidebook. I mean, it's going to be such a kind of an, I don't want to say Bible because I hate using that terminology, but I think it's such a needed component to improving our healthcare system, especially when it comes to plant medicines and cannabis therapies. So you really guys put together a great resource tool. And of course, that website, cannabistextbook.com that goes with it so that people can stay up to date and keep updating resources. Um, what, what's one of the most you know, key pearls or takeaways from, from each of you guys, if you have a couple a minute or two, what is the, one of the biggest takeaways that you guys got from working on this book to, you know, and getting this project out into the market when it, when it relates to cannabis specifically? You know, for me, um, it was, um, and it may be, Part of my viewpoint, you know, um, I think uh, working in an inner city hospital was waking up, you know, what what I think uh, Kevin was alluding earlier of our training and our practice, um, that it took me a long time to think outside of the box and recognizing and realizing that many of the people uh, who uh, I would you know, our training or in some ways skews us to uh, perceive our patient in a certain way. And we try to be objective in some ways, uh, but as human beings, we have our subjective biases in many ways. So we automatically uh, diagnose them, at least in DSM-4, access one, access two, and all of these access and, and how substances played a role in that. And I think working on that book uh, in some ways, it opened me to a completely new dimension of looking at these people and recognizing and realizing uh, what what was their impetus, what were the reasons, what they were using, why they were using, what is the difference between use and use and disorder, basically. Not everybody falls under the same umbrella and, and be put in the same category. We really need to make a distinction. One size doesn't fit all. 
Uh, and unfortunately, the politics have made that one size fits all in some ways. So to me, that was one of the, I think, enlightening moments uh, where it's like aha moment that I can, you know, I will, uh, refer to. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, the, the, the cultural component. I'm an anthropologist in, in training too, and I love you know, the cultural, the incarceration component, that kind of general stereotyping that we've had in part due to reefer madness and the political mindset, even from the 30s around this plant and other drugs. I think that's a great wake up, and I appreciate you sharing that, Doc. Um, Dr. Hill, what, how about yourself, if you mind sharing? Every time I review the evidence, as I did uh, in, in collaborating with Simone on this book, I, I'm struck by the tremendous promise uh, of cannabinoids, but they have to be used the right way, and that's under a physician's supervision. As we talked about before, there are risks with cannabinoids as well as many, many benefits, and in order to shift that ratio as much as possible toward the benefits, I think patients need to collaborate with their doctors in order to do this. And I think that as you talked about before, uh, when you reference bud tenders, a lot of times physicians are so uncomfortable with cannabinoids that they abdicate their role in some ways. They either let a specialty physician who does nothing but crank out certifications all day, write a certification, and then the patient may go in and uh, be sort of at the mercy of the bud tender. And what we're advocating for with this book and the website, CannabisTextbook.com, is to empower physicians to play a more active role in this process. I think we need to do that. We haven't really kept up our end of the bargain so far. Uh, and hopefully this will allow more doctors to take a more active role in the process. Awesome. And Kevin, awesome. if you don't mind my, my adding, uh, you know, I'll take a step further in, in, in that way. Um, which we have mentioned in the book as well, that to move forward in this direction and educate uh, not from the clinicians but population at large, I think if we leave it just to the rest of uh, so-called organizations or big play, uh, you know, uh, or, or where the funding comes from, we will still be constrained. I think one has to look at if we live in an economy of cannabis, which is a huge industry, and if that we are benefiting from producing, selling this, this conversation. They need to be a part of the solution of contributing to this research and giving funds to help because it's going to help all of them in the end. And I think it's an important for people who are out there to recognize that. that if they're a part of the industry, they need to be putting in the dime as well because it's going to help everybody. You guys are really doing some great work. I, I love what you guys just said and shared. I think we all need to recognize that there's a need to get more education out there, especially in the health practitioner areas. We need to get a good understanding of how to use all this tax revenue and, and, and profit from this industry to improve the industry, not just say, oh, we made it. It's somewhat accessible. We need to make it a better uh, you know, uh, model and a better commodity, better medicine constantly. And again, you guys are definitely playing your role. I appreciate you guys taking the time today, joining the show and sharing information. We're going to post links to both cannabistextbook.com. And when, when is this textbook actually going to be available in print? September 9th. September 9th, 9-9. Right. Yeah, it's, it's available for pre-order right now. You can go to Amazon or the website um, and it's, you, you can order it. 
Wonderful. I look forward to getting my copy. I definitely recommend people checking out. Definitely those doctors out there that tune in, tune into my show. Or if you're a patient out there, please recommend it to your doctor. I know they're going to be thankful. They want more information. Uh, Like I said, a true healer, the first do no harm docs, the ones that are trying to help their patients. They want the new information. They want to be up to date. They want to help and give the best solutions possible. And I think that's what we're all here to do together. We're here to work together for a better today than yesterday and a better tomorrow than today. Thank you, Dr. Zaman, Dr. Hill, for joining me today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, everyone at Cannabis Radio. I wish you all the best in health and happiness. Take care and be well. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate your invitation. Thank you so much. My pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. We'll talk again soon. expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.